0: So staying in Ephesians 3, uh, you can find it in on page 1080 in the Blue Shed Bible, or if you have one of our large print Bibles, it would be 1666. Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14, so for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power Together with all the Lord's people to grasp just how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen.
1: Uh, the Lord be with you. Hey, my name is Troy, and um, I just realized that I've got either orange juice or syrup on my pants. I'm not sure which one it was. Both of them got on me a little bit this morning, and so I'm bringing you my best. Just want you to know. Um, uh, hey, glad you are with us. I'm assuming right now the empty carbs of those bagels are solidifying in your stomachs. Um, I hope that uh, I don't bore you too much in these next couple of minutes to keep you awake. Welcome to the second week of Lent second week of this series that we're calling Let Us Pray, where we're going to be focusing on prayers in the Bible so that these prayers might inspire and they might shape our own prayers. And uh, I'm going to guess that some of you, in fact, I know that some of you are asking this kind of a question, Uh, prayer again? (laughs) We're talking about prayer again, really? Uh, uh, Or prayer still? Um, And I want you to know that the answer is yes, we are. You're not making that up. You're not imagining it. This is what we're doing again. Our church really is committed to continuing to foster and to emphasize and to prioritize prayer for our church. So we will continue to come back to it. And not only that, but uh, there's this one quotation from a woman named Teresa of Avila. She spoke these words uh, in the 1500s but I think that these are probably as true and as powerful for us today as they were then. She said these words, no one is so advanced in prayer that they do not often have to return to the beginning. No one is so advanced that they don't often have to return. Um, So one of our hopes, one of my hopes for our church is that we would all adopt the posture of a learner as it relates to prayer. That we would all humbly return to the beginning. That we would all like the disciples. That we would all long to learn how to pray more faithfully, more like Jesus. That's why prayer again. That's why prayer still. That's why we're in this series again during Lent, trying to focus on prayer I pray that you will join us as we do that. Last week, we kicked it off. Tim um, invited us into the practice of confession, and not just confession, but being assured of being forgiven when we confess. This week, I'm going to turn a little bit, and we're going to talk about prayers for other people, also known as intercession or intercessory prayers. We're going to have that be our focus for today. And I'll tell you, I think that these kinds of prayers prayers for other people I think these kinds of prayers are really hard anybody else think that these kinds of prayers are really hard great I'll put my hand down no one raised theirs I think it's hard it's often really hard to know what to ask for other people I think it's a hard thing thank you I saw those two head nods not crazy um all right I'm going to put a handful of resources in front of you, books in front of you, just really quickly. One of them, I I appreciate this quote, is a a guy named Harold Bloom. He was an an, an Anglican. Um, He said this, too often the kind of Thanksgiving that we offer is, is too much a general Thanksgiving. And the kind of repentance we bring to God is too much a general repentance. Tim kind of highlighted this last week when he was encouraging us in our confessions and our repentance to be more specific. I bring up this quotation because I think oftentimes in our prayers for other people, they are also too general, but they're often too generic, that for many of us, often the best prayer that we can offer on behalf of another person is something like this. God, be with that person, which is a fine prayer, but very general, right? Very generic, often without a lot of oomph around it. And so uh, I wonder if it might be an invitation for us to investigate how general our prayers are for another. I think also sometimes when we pray for another person that sometimes what can happen is that we are actually imposing our desires onto another person. Sometimes our prayers can be like this. God, please make that person more open-minded, particularly about what I have to say, right? God, please help that person to be more patient, God, please, please help that person's tendencies to bite their nails in a meeting go away, right? God, would you please help that person to have a desire to empty the dishwasher or to fold the laundry or to put away the socks, whatever. You see, sometimes our desires are actually imposed onto the prayers that we have and that we pray for another person. Sometimes we adopt a kind of anything goes posture. I know that I have prayed, I've heard other people pray, things like this. God, please just give that person whatever would make them happy today. Give that person whatever they would want on this particular day. And and sometimes these prayers, these anything goes postures, they, they just highlight that we often don't know what it is that we should be praying for, that we're filled with uncertainty. And then sometimes our prayers, or sometimes our prayers are simply just guessing. Um, Brian, who was up here, our Care and Connections pastor, his family has had quite a 2024 with this revolving door of illness and things. And one day I was talking with our daughter Maggie about, because she loves Mr. Brian. She loves Mr. Brian. And so we were talking about Mr. Brian one day, and I said, "Maggie, maybe we should pray for Mr. Brian today." "What do you think, Mr. B- How should we pray for Mr. Brian?" And she says, "Well, maybe Mr. Brian would like some Legos and some apple juice, and that will make him feel better." It's adorable, so kind. It's also kind of like the prayers that I sometimes pray because I don't know. So I'm just guessing. Right? I- Maybe this would be good for that person, or maybe this would help that person feel better. Praying for another person can be really hard. Praying for others can be hard. We're often finding ourselves in some of these kinds of categories. Wouldn't you love it if your prayers for other people could grow beyond these kinds of generalities and guessing? I would love that. I really love the way uh, Richard Foster deals with prayer. Another book to put in front of you, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, kind of a modern classic on prayer. And particularly when he talks about praying for other people, he, he offers this insight. If we truly love people, we will desire for them far More. We will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Now, I, in praying for others is a way of loving them, that's inspiring, but it's this first part, this first part that really grabs me. Wanting for someone else the kinds of things that are beyond our ability to provide, wanting deep, powerful, significant things for other people beyond Legos and apple juice. That's an inspiring way to pray. And it's one of the reasons why I'm turning our attention today to Ephesians chapter 3, because I believe in this text that we see the Apostle Paul wanting things for the Ephesian people big things. We see him wanting things that he knows that he cannot supply, things that Paul cannot provide. Paul wants for these people individually and collectively, I think Paul wants for them a vibrant spiritual life with God. And friends, there may be no greater desire that we would have for one another than this. A vibrant spiritual life with God. I believe Paul is praying this for these people. And I believe that this prayer that we're going to be looking at here, that it can inspire in us bigger, bolder, more aspirational prayers. That's what I hope for. In another book, last one here I'll recommend, uh, got in Pete Greig, a simple book called How to Pray. He suggests that our prayers ought to be growing over our lifetime. And they ought to be growing so that our prayers are not simply in response to problems. Now, praying in response to problems always going to be appropriate, always going to be necessary, always going to be important. But Griggs' recommendation, suggestion, is that we ought to be pray, are evolving in our prayer so that we're not simply just responding to problems, but that we ought to be growing in our prayer life and in our love for other people so that we would get inspired by the possibilities. That our prayers would be inspired by possibilities not simply responding to what are problems, but imagining, imagining what might be possible. And I think that's what we find in this prayer here in Ephesians 3, a prayer that is filled with possibilities. So let's get into this. I hope we approach this text as humble learners so that our prayers for one another might be deeper and more loving. First thing I want to stress is this, that we are to begin praying Begin praying. Begin. It's a good beginning probably, right? Your prayers don't mature. They don't evolve. They don't grow over time without your praying them. You're praying for other people. This will require effort. It will require time being set aside. It will require attention. It will require intention. I love the simplicity of the words of a Catholic theologian named Bonnie Thurston. She says this, we learn to pray by praying. We learn to pray by praying. For some of us, this is the very hurdle to clear during the season of Lent. It's to begin praying. Please, please utilize the weekly resource that we have. This week's is a guide for praying for other people. You can find that on the internets. You can find hard copies here in our building. Please begin praying for others. Now, as you begin praying, I want to encourage you to do so with freedom and confidence. Tim, again, talked about this a bit last week when he suggested that we can actually confess with confidence. In a few verses before the text that Trace read for us this morning, Paul says these words, in him, in Jesus, and through him, through Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And that's the posture that Paul is taking in this prayer for the Ephesians. Paul kneels before the Father in freedom and in confidence. Paul is asking, as we will see, he's asking for really big things. And he prays that God would answer and that God would provide out of his glorious riches. Paul is confident that his prayers of possibilities, that they can be met because God's got glorious riches. The one who gives to every family in heaven and on earth is the one that Paul is praying to. Um, I'm not sure if people still care about and if people still watch The Simpsons, but I remember this one particular scene where Homer is praying, and he does something like this. He says, dear Lord, the gods have been really good to me. And he's holding this plate of cookies. And he says, and as an offering, I give these cookies and milk to you. But if you would rather I eat these cookies and milk, then please give me no sign whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, then there's a couple beats of silence. Silence. And Homer says, thy will be done. And devours the cookies. Homer expected nothing. Homer thinks that God is silent or absent or stingy or whatever. It's obvious that Homer wanted and expected nothing from God in that moment. And that's in direct Contradiction and contrast to the posture that we find with Paul in Ephesians 3. It's also contrary to the spirit of a woman named Selena Stone. I, I thought I was done recommending books. I'm not. I'm reading this book during Lent this year. Her book called Tarry a While. Um, and it's an interesting little book. And, and the beginning of the book, Selena Stone is describing a tarrying service in her black Pentecostal church. And as she's describing what it's like to be in that service, she she writes about the collective expectation of the group of people. And she uses these words. We will leave having received something from the one who has all things to give. We will leave having received something an expectation, a confidence. Selena Stone has such a confidence in God's glorious riches and she trusts so deeply that something will be given when she gathers with her church to wait on the Lord. Friends, that is the kind of confidence I want for every one of us. That's the kind of confidence I want for every one of us Particularly when we come to pray for one another, when we come to pray for other people, the kind of confidence that something will be given. Okay. Now let's turn and let's look Um, at the possibilities, these amazing possibilities that Paul prays for in these verses. Now we did about a year ago, we already did a series on the book of Ephesians called Alive in Christ. So this is not going to be a deep dive into these verses. I'm going to actually highlight a couple of things in hopes that this will inspire us, that it will give us an imagination, that it'll give us a picture for how we might pray, potentially even gives us a form for how we might pray for one another. Paul began This way, okay. Paul prays for strength and power through the Holy Spirit. Remember that foster quote that I said, wanting for other people what you cannot provide. Paul here is praying for something that even these people can't provide for themselves. This is power and strength beyond themselves, outside of themselves. This is power and strength through the Holy Spirit. Paul talks a lot about power in the New Testament. He talks a lot about power in the book of Ephesians. He talks a lot about power in these six verses. Just in these six verses, Paul brings up power three times. In the New Testament, power and the Holy Spirit are virtually synonymous. Where there's one, there is the other. A synonymous partnership of power and the Spirit. So what Paul is praying for here is like powerful power. Like the most powerful of power, power through the Holy Spirit. And he asks that this strength and that this power, that it would be in their inner being. It would be in their core. It would be at the center of their center. Paul is asking that strength and power would be there. And out of that center, this power and this strength, everything else would flow out of that. Okay, and then Paul also prays. He asks for the dwelling presence of Christ. Here's the word in Greek uh, katoikeo. Katoikeo. And uh, it means habitation, it means residence, it means uh, to settle down, to take up as your home. This is not a temporary visit. This is permanence. This is calling it home once and for all. And that's what Paul wants for these people. Paul wants that Christ's presence would take up permanent residence in them. It's a big prayer. Paul then says that these people would be rooted and established in love. That they would be fixed. That they would be constant. That they would be anchored, that they would be grounded in love. I think Paul's praying in the spirit of the gospel of John where Jesus says to his disciples and therefore says through them to us to remain in my love, remain in it. And then out of that love, you are then to love one another. That you would be rooted, remained, anchored, cemented in that love and then love out of that, this love of God in Christ. Remember, Paul says in the book of Romans that this love has been poured into our hearts, this image of abundance, that this love of God in Christ is to be the foundation. It is to be the animating reality out of which we live in love. Then Paul says that these people would grasp the vastness of Christ's love. And here is where the poetry of the passage is so easy to get swept up in. How wide and long and high and deep. I think what Paul's doing here is he's trying to emphasize the scope, the impossible to measure scope of Christ's love. He's trying, he's praying that people would have expansive imaginations he's echoing the magnitude that we would find in places like Jeremiah. Jeremiah who says, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Expansive. Or the way the psalmist says in Psalm 101, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love. This kind of Impossible to describe except through poetry kind of love that these people would grasp us. Or as Paul's going to say in just a couple of verses, maybe this love is immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. I think Paul wants, I think Paul wants that not only would people grasp the vastness of of Christ's love, but that they would be grasped by Christ's love. And then Paul prays some more. Because this is knowledge beyond knowing. This is love that surpasses understanding. This is love that cannot be fully figured out. And then in coming to know everything that is unknowable, Paul then prays that these people would be filled with the fullness of Of God. Now this section wraps up with I think really mysterious sayings. Because how could anyone know what is impossible to know? How could anyone understand what cannot be understood? And how could anyone how could the fullness of God the one who is beyond all limits the one who is beyond containable how could the fullness of god then fill a person without that person being utterly ruined and blown apart how how could any of this be I think in these mysterious sayings, Paul's continuing to get it more and more expansive and he's pointing, he's pointing to like an ultimate maturity. Paul's pointing to the completeness of being made into Christ's likeness with ever increasing glory. I think Paul is pointing, as he's going to say in another letter, that even though Outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day as God's very self fills every nook and cranny and available space within us. Paul's talking about how out of God's glorious riches, God gives us God's very self in fullness, amazing, amazing. Now, check out this list. It's quite a list of possibilities, isn't it? That's different than how I probably am normally praying for other people. What might our prayers for one another, what might our prayers for other people be like if we prayed this kind of a prayer? My hope is that this prayer in Ephesians can inspire and can shape the way that we pray for others, that we would be more specific, that we would be more aspirational, that we that we would pray with a greater sense of possibility because of God's glorious riches. Now, I I, I want to close by focusing on who. Who should be involved in this prayer? And this this may seem a little counterintuitive, but I want to start with the prayer prayer. And what I want to do is I want to suggest that these kinds of prayers and that kind of a list, that this might enable you as the one who is praying to believe more deeply in what is possible for you. That maybe, just maybe, if God cares so much about other people, the people that you're praying for. If God would be that generous, if God would be that present, if God would be that constant, if God would love that vastly for another person, maybe you and I could believe that also for ourselves. Maybe. Maybe that's also for you and I. Uh, Have you ever ever gone and purchased a gift for somebody and then realized, oh, I would actually like to have that gift? You ever done that? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you have kept the gift and not actually passed it along? I think something like that could be operative in this prayer. That as we pray it for another, we desire for that to be true for our own selves. That we want that to also be true for us. and That we begin to believe a little bit more faith, a little bit more hope, a little bit more possibility. Maybe, maybe, beyond the generalities and beyond the guessing that I often even do for my own self. Maybe this could be true for me as well. Now, as it relates to praying for others, um, on this resource that I talked about, we, we're providing just a, a starting place list. And, and what we're recommending is that you narrow the focus, that you narrow the scope, that you consider, particularly if praying for other people is somewhat new for you, that you would focus on praying for one particular person every day. That you don't go and try to cover the globe, right? So that you would focus on one person every day. And maybe what happens out of that is you pray for that one person multiple times throughout the day. That you return to praying for them. Because we remember that Paul stresses that, that we are praying to the one who is the father of everyone on heaven, in heaven and on earth. It's a really big scope, right? It's a big scope. But I would also say that as we grow in praying for one another, that the scope and those that we are praying for, that it should expand. That it should expand beyond who we're comfortable praying for. I would want to know that this church is growing In praying that the generosity and the power of God would bring about a vibrant spiritual life for those who are really tough for us to pray for. That we would find our prayers moving to holding before the Lord those that we have a hard time believing will ever change. That we would pray these prayers of possibilities for those that seem to you and i like the most unlikely people to be filled with the fullness of god that our prayers would continually expand and include more and more and then let's see let's see how god might do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine and be glorified in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations final who let's not forget that Jesus is our eternal intercessor Jesus is our eternal intercessor don't forget that while we seek to intentionally pray for other people we are promised that Jesus prays with and prays for us we could probably end Every week of this series with some of these verses, Tim mentioned one last week, I just want to put in front of us two examples, two of these points of encouragement, and I hope that they empower us as we pray. Romans 8, Paul says this, Christ, Jesus Christ who died, more than that, Jesus Christ who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then in Hebrews, writing again about Jesus, the author says this in verse 25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Friends, let's don't forget, let's don't forget that our praying for other people takes place in And our praying for other people is possible because of Jesus' eternal ministry of praying for us. This is yet, I think, one more example, one more expression of the generosity of this God. This is one more way that we see God acting out of God's glorious riches. And then we, we come to take a bit of these glorious riches into our body when we are at this table. Another demonstration of the way that we are constantly being given to. And so, let's come to this table filled with possibilities and filled with the desire to take this in so that we might very well be poured out. Friends and family, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And So let's pray in a spirit of thanksgiving how right and a good and a joyful thing it is at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, the creator of heaven and earth. So we join our voices with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven who are forever surrounding your throne singing this hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you, as you have throughout all of history, would you be present in an undeniable way in this meal? And would you make of these simple elements for us spiritual food? And would we be fed and nourished, empowered, strengthened to be for the sake of the world? Meet with us now. Feed us and send us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The story is told that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, This this is my body, my body which is broken for you. So take and eat. And then in a similar way he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the promise renewed. The promise of love that is beyond our ability to ask or imagine. A love full of possibilities. So whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup you tell the story again you take it into your body and then you live out of that and embody the story again a story that we not only live but we try to profess we try to explain with this mystery of our faith these simple winsome phrases so let's speak them together Christ has died Christ is risen And Christ will come again. And so in these next couple of moments, we'll we'll eat. And there'll be people who are willing to be present with you as you pray. And we will sing. And we will linger in the confidence that out of God's glorious riches, something will be given to us. And so you can come to these tables. You can come to be served here. Please linger in these couple of moments and let's with expectation and with imagination come to receive from the Lord whatever there is for us. So come in these next couple of moments and receive who you are, the body of Christ.